This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch. Now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McMusick. How are you doing? Today, joining me again is Gabe Ferguson. Gabe, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Ken? No complaints at all here. Love talking football with you. And we're going to talk the defensive backs today. We talked about the inside linebackers. We talked about the defensive line. People have been really enjoying those episodes. Definitely getting a lot of comments on them. And uh, we'll talk about the defensive backs today and uh, really complete the uh, cycle. I guess we haven't talked about outside linebackers, but... uh, talk about the corners and the safeties today probably a little bit longer episode hopefully we can keep it to an hour or less Gabe and uh you know I know that could be difficult with us and it's not it's not all you (laughs) extending these episodes by any means yeah we can we can definitely try and keep it under wraps this time just avoid the tangents perhaps (laughs) all right so interesting year in 2019 for the Ravens in terms of the Different package styles that Martindale played, different packages he played for the for the season. And in particular, the heaviest ever use of defensive backs in Ravens history. We've mentioned this a number of times, so I think people know by now. 42.2% of snaps for the Ravens with six-plus defensive backs. 
the highest in team history. Previous high was in 2000 at 34.5%. Uh, last year in 2019, we just looked, it was 29.2%. So, you know, 29.3, sorry. So we're, we're, we're talking about, uh, you know, a historic level of dime and heavier DB packages. Yeah, I think there's uh, several different reasons why that happened. Um, one is kind of the nature of the NFL. Teams are, are transitioning to more wide receivers, spread kind of offense where you have the base package of three wide receivers on the field at once. So it makes sense to kind of have that nickel and dime on the field as much as possible to, to match those wide receivers. Um, and, and then also it was just the personnel that the Ravens had last year. The, the secondary was really the strength of the defense. So when you have a really deep secondary that's a, with a lot of talented players, I think especially after the Marcus Peters trade, we saw that. Um, you want to keep those players on the field as much as possible. And, and then also, as we, as we talked about the linebackers, they didn't really have a great core of linebackers. They weren't very deep, and they didn't have maybe the coverage chops that you'd like to see. So bringing on an extra safety instead of a linebacker to help out in coverage situations really helped the team, I think. I'm an enormous fan of that anyway. You, you and I have talked about inside linebacker platooning and, and how I think it's, it's not only cheaper, it's safer in terms of what injuries you can – you have risking. You don't end up paying a unicorn in the end, as as Queen may end up being. You know, four years from now, being a player that is just very difficult to afford. Um, you instead, you can have three players. They'll do it for uh, six million dollars a year instead of fifteen million a year for Mosley if you have him or more. Uh, so anyway, we I, there's a lot of reasons why I think platooning at that position makes a lot of sense. And even if you're not going to platoon at both positions. I really like the idea of platooning at one inside linebacker spot by having that safety play a lot of your passing down snaps. Yeah, and I think that makes the most sense because against the run, you will probably do better with a linebacker. And I think against, especially in the early downs, teams are still more likely to run the ball than they would in a later down. So if you have two linebackers on the field early, then once the offense is more likely to pass the ball in a third and long situation, you bring in the extra defensive back and you improve your coverage. It's a pretty simple formula, formula, I think. Yeah, it's your third best. The basic formula is this, that your third best coverage safety is almost always a better coverage player than your second best coverage inside linebacker. And it is, it's almost always true. If you can't cover like that as a safety, then you've, you've probably got problems. I want to go back to something you said. You said you, you mentioned two reasons why the Ravens would have had a significant uptick in dime snaps. I'll give you another is the Ravens led and led by large amounts for lots of last season. And they were clearly, you know, no one was able to keep up with them offensively for a large swath of the season. And during that time when the Ravens had the lead, they basically said, you know what, we don't care if you're going to run, go ahead and run against our dime if you want to. And that's actually when a lot of the really good defensive stats after week four, sorry, a lot of the good offensive stats were put up against the Ravens was by teams rushing against the dime after week four, most notably the Texans, uh, the Bills uh, doing that. The 49ers weren't running against the dime. They played a lot of base looks in that game, but uh, the Ravens gave the Rams a lot of opportunity to run the ball and they didn't do it successfully um, in that game. So it's it, interesting, you know, is a, certainly a, a aligned set of circumstances that brought them to 42%, but I think it's possible they could, they could stick at, um, you know, north of 35% even this year with, with two inside linebacker draftees. I think that's definitely 
um, possible um, to keep th around the 30-35% range, especially if the Ravens are up big. And like you said, that's a huge reason to keep multiple defensive backs on the field or five or six defensive backs because you don't want to give up the big play. The more defensive backs you have dropped into coverage, the less likely it is that a team is going to you know, make the explosive plays where they can get back in the game quickly. You let them run the ball, you know, maybe five yards a clip, but they're taking up time that way. So there you go. I think it's a, it's definitely a, a, a win for the for the defense if you can keep them away from having those explosive plays. And and generally, when you have this kind of, especially depth and talent at secondary, the Ravens are, are going to uh, win that battle. Right. Really, is the choice between five and six defensive backs in the NFL, or five and six plus in the NFL now? The Ravens only played 11.9 percent of their snaps last year in either base or jumbo, where they had four defensive backs on the field. So they, it, that, those packages don't really exist anymore. They played a little bit of base against San Francisco, some against Tennessee in the playoffs, but basically they don't they don't play the base package very much. And you're you're left with the nickel, which is a let's let's add up all these nickels here because there's three different four different nickel packages which made up 56.4 percent of their snaps, and then you have the dime at 42. Point, sorry, I got the wrong number there. Got the wrong three there. 45.9, almost 46 percent of their snaps are nickel. So pretty even split between nickel and dime in 2019. And I think I would agree with you that we're going to see a lot more of Malik Harrison on the field which means two inside linebackers, and we'll see a lot more of those five DB packages um, this year. And, and as you mentioned earlier in the show, that spreading the – whenever the opposing offense puts three wide receivers on the field, they effectively force the nickel. They force you out of the base defense. So it's, it's really a choice between the nickel and dime at that point. So uh, anyway, uh, interesting thing. Let's talk about some individual players, though, and I know you have some strong thoughts about this, Gabe. I'll let you go through. You did a good job of, of taking us through in order last last time. What, who do you want to talk about first? So I think I'll start with Marcus Peters because I think his role is probably the, the simplest role on, on the defense, or at least in the defensive backs, because he's almost strictly an outside cornerback. He does play in the slot in a few instances last year with the Ravens, but he was mostly just lined up on the outside. He played almost all of his snaps uh or almost all the snaps of the defense once he was traded to the Ravens. So he was out there on most plays, and I think he's just going to stay out there. He's going to be on the outside corner. Um, I have to go back and check if he was strictly one side or the other. I think he mostly played the left cornerback, but I'm not 100% right. certain about that. Um, and I think that's just going to be his role. You know, He's going to be out there on the left side. He's going to take away that outside wide receiver, and it's it's a pretty straightforward assignment. And you know, I, th I think he's proven to be very good in that role. It kind of s simplifies it for him. You know, he's just going to be in this one area, kind of like what we've seen from Richard Sherman over the years when he was in Seattle and now in San Francisco. He just has this assignment. You know, he can play man, he can play zone, but he's not going to be asked to move all over the field. And I think that's one of the reasons why he excelled so much for the Ravens. Yeah, they, you know, cornerbacks like receivers have a, a favorite shoulder for catching the football a lot of the time. So it's not an, it's not atypical at all for corner to want to stay on the same side of the field and not go to the other. And they'll all say, oh, it's no big deal. It is a big deal. It really is. It's a big deal for them to catch on their favorite shoulder. It's a, it's a big deal for them to have the same kind of relationship with the sideline and their, what might be their dominant or non-dominant hand being closer to the sideline. 
So there's lots of reasons why you want your cornerback to stay on one side of the field. Now, Humphrey had played a lot of left corner. He's also played right corner and played on the slot. He's moved around as needed for the Ravens. So hopefully he can adopt, adapt to being a pure right corner uh, as the season moves on and not have to go back to the slot as he did in, in, uh, in 2019. Yeah, and that's the other thing that I wanted to bring up. Um, about Humphrey was he actually played the majority of the snaps last year in the slot. Um, I think that might be something, you know, the casual observer might not have been paying attention to, but that's actually, in my opinion, the more difficult position because you, oh, yeah. you don't have the sideline leverage. You have to be able to follow your man um, in either, either route direction. Um, and you also have to be more of a run defender, I think. Um, so, and that's somewhere that's something that Humphrey really excels in. He's a very impactful run defender. He can, you know, set the edge if asked to. He's very um, willing to go in and make tackles, willing to build up blocks. Um, I, I think he plays very well in the slot. Um, I, I don't know if it's where he's best fit, but if the Ravens need him to play there, I think he can play there. And he showed that last year, which makes his ability to just be a versatile defensive player for the Ravens very important, I think. You know, there's, there's no doubt about it. Humphrey has great physicality to play run defense. He can rush the, rush the passer. He can make plays in the backfield. He's very good at um, getting to a receiver quickly at the point of the catch. And he's got a baseball bats for arms, as we've seen. Particularly his right arm is just extremely good at knocking a football loose as opposed to you know, necessarily having the ball skills that a Peters has to, to you know, feather that ball in the air and have the great hands to catch it. I'm not saying Humphrey doesn't have that. I'm just saying he, he's, he's more of a, of a uh, physical bludgeony football player than, a, than more of a, 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 a pure ball skills player like Peter is. Peters is. Humphrey in the slot to me is kind of wasted, though, in terms of his coverage ability because the, the baseball bats have more use the closer you put them to the sideline. And he's, when he's put in the slot... Uh, he's change of direction skills, which are the weakest point of a great game of his, are then challenged directly. And that's why I think the Ravens, if they can do anything at all to keep Humphrey on the outside this year, I'm going to be excited about it. Tavon coming back, all indications and sounds are good, but it's very important to me that Humphrey stays on the outside. Yeah, I think that's definitely where the Ravens want him to play. Um, and But... Like you said, it also hinges on the availability of Tavon Young. And two years ago, we saw him be a very good slot corner. I mean, he was he was predominantly, I think he played the entire season in the slot in 2018. Um, and that's basically a starting position in, in the Ravens defense. So he coming back um, is something that is going to probably be a key to, to what the Ravens are going to the secondary because if he can be on the field as that third corner allowing Humphrey to play on the outside you have I you know one of the probably the best secondaries in the NFL if not the best um, at least if we just look at the three cornerbacks because Young is really really good at that quick twitch thing that you were mentioning that Humphrey may not be the best at he has that you know quick change of direction um, he's also very good at you know, kind of playing these these zones. He's he's very intelligent. He is a playmaker. He gets his hands on a lot of balls. He understands, you know, route combinations. And I th I think he's going to be someone who 
is going to have a really important role in the Ravens' defense, assuming his health is where is where we would like it to be, where he was before he had the neck injury. Right. Very. His career already. I'm already worried about the trajectory being similar to Lardarius Webb, and it's not because Webb had a bad career. Webb certainly had a very good career as a Raven, and and was at one point the best cornerback in football, which is something that we we kind of forget is that in 2011, Lardarius Webb towered over the National Football League in terms of what he did. He's better corner than Revis that year. And Young has had basically the same sort of pattern of injuries, injured as a rookie, injured as a third-year player, just like Webb. And you know, you really hope he doesn't follow a similar pattern and have uh, injuries derail what could have been a great career. Uh, needs to really be able to stay on the field for this season and needs to prove certainly that he's back from that injury. It's very important for the Ravens. I, I'm not sure there's a more important player on their defense to play up to their expectations of him for the position because the Ravens don't really have a backup at slot corner. Yeah, and the backup at slot corner is going to be Marlon Humphrey, I would have to say. I mean, that's kind of what you'd have to put there unless the Ravens want to go out and, and bring somebody you know, maybe Brandon Carr, he's still a free agent. If, if something were to happen to Young, that is, you know, and that, that's not an ideal situation where you where you would go and bring in somebody off the street at the beginning of the season or middle of the season, really at any point. So I think Young is definitely a key player. Um, if Humphrey is able to stay on the outside, I think that raises a question of what are the Ravens looking at Jimmy Smith being in 2020? Because... I see him also as purely an outside corner. We've seen them kind of rotate the corners a little bit in the past, but I'm not sure you want to take Peters or Humphrey off the field. So does Smith start playing safety? Yeah, so Jimmy Smith's situation is obviously kind of a a specific one. They talked about him playing deep safety in dime packages, which would would kind of make sense because you uh, you want to move Clark up into the box on those things, and then you get a really very high-quality uh, dime back there, but then you need to have that that other player replaces him on the back end. And the Ravens are very short on good back end coverage guys. After Thomas, uh, there isn't much in terms of back end coverage safeties. Geno Stone was that guy at Iowa, so but he, he'll be a rookie in the National Football League. We'll see if he can adapt to that. Uh, Jimmy Smith really hasn't played any safety in his career, no matter what the Ravens might tell you about. He's covered some tight ends and this and well, of course he has. You know, if you play naked on the tight end side, I mean, there's no wide receiver on that side, but there is a tight end, then he'll have that sort of responsibility. But that doesn't mean he's really played safety to play a back end role or whatever. I guess they could point to cover three, and he's done some of that. But honestly, he really hasn't done very much of that. Harbaugh's comments were he's gonna we're gonna see Jimmy Smith at safety. Martindale said, wait and see. So I'm interested in where this actually falls out. To me, I think the injury risk of Jimmy Smith is too great to to use him in snaps at safety when you might really need him very badly if you have a cornerback go down. Yeah, he, I think I see him more of an insurance policy than anything else, especially at outside corner. Obviously, you don't want to have anybody go down, especially someone like Peters or Humphrey, but... If something was to happen, then then Smith is, you know, probably the best fourth string or 
fourth cornerback any team in the NFL has. He actually played pretty well last year and and fairly limited role. But, I mean, he he was essentially the Ravens' nickel cornerback when he was on the field. And and then Humphrey went into the slot and and Smith played outside. Um, I I think that it could be interesting, though, with, with Wink Martindale. We know how creative he is. Um, if, and if he does some of this kind of like game plan by or week by week scheming to see how he could use Smith uh, with the way that a lot of teams are utilizing tight ends now, basically as a, as a slot receiver, um, perhaps it's a better matchup to have Smith cover a tight end in the slot than, for instance, Tavon Young cover cover him in the slot or, or a, a different safety. Um, I, I know Chuck Clark might be that, that person who could, you know, move over uh, tight end flexed out. But I think that might be a role that Smith can kind of find himself playing, especially against some of the more athletic tight ends that we have in the NFL. Well, the Ravens played a lot of big nickel. Well, each of the last two years they played some, but they put a lot of big nickel at the beginning of last year where they have uh, that's a nickel package with three safeties and two corners. And primarily that was Clark playing that big nickel rule. Deshaun Elliott's also a guy who could do it. Uh, but cover, you know, the, it's often cover a, a tight end in 12 personnel where a team like the Chiefs, say, had, or, or the Browns, for that matter, had a, a receiving threats at tight end who might split out. But you had to respect also the fact that they might be running out of that formation uh, and, and keep those guys in line. And so there's, you know, obviously they played some teams that, particularly in the early part of last season, that certainly had that. Um, as they went on in the season, they were willing to, you know, having Marlon Humphrey playing slot corner for a lot of that time effectively gave them some of the physicality against the run they needed that they would otherwise have gotten from Big Nickel earlier. Yeah, that's really interesting to think about. I think part of the reason that they went away from the Big Nickel was the injuries to safety. Um, Obviously, Tony Jefferson got hurt, so Clark became a starter. Deshaun Elliott got hurt, so the next safety in line was really, I guess, Brandon Carr, who kind of moved to play safety. Um, but he wasn't the kind of big, impactful box safety that you would want to have in that role. Um, although although Carr definitely had his snaps lined up against tight ends last year as well, um, he was definitely undersized compared to a lot of them. But I think he acquitted himself fairly well across um, all the positions that the Ravens asked him to play last year. That was one of the nice things about Carr is just how versatile he was because he didn't he wasn't a huge drop off playing nickel and he gave you some value at, at playing the dime. But I would agree. Uh, sorry, playing back end in the dime. But I would agree that he he's it's amazing Carr's transformation as a Raven because in his time uh, in Kansas City and Dallas he'd, he'd been very selectively physical, uh, very careful not to get hurt. That's a lot of what's behind his enormous com- consecutive start streak. And uh, he came to Baltimore, a much more physical player than I was expecting the last two seasons. I mean, he, he just very much surprised me with how much at this age he's willing to, you know, get physical. I, I kind of wonder, you know, what he was being told those other places in terms of not being physically intentionally to make sure he could stay on the field. Yeah, that could definitely be the case because he was a shutdown corner early in his career when he played in Kansas City. He was one of the better cornerbacks in the league, um, and and then he you know, was given a big contract to be like the number one corner in Dallas. I don't think he ever lived up to that billing after when he was, um, after he left Kansas City, but um, he, st- he still clearly had some coverage skills when he got to Baltimore, but maybe it was, you know, the ability to to not be the, the number one guy 
and also maybe just the the culture that he was in here in Baltimore. It's a little more of a, a hard nosed defense than perhaps he was playing on before. Still one of the best one of the best free agent contracts the Ravens have ever signed. Certainly in the top ten to twelve contracts they've ever had. What what they got him for in the series of options uh, deal. Yeah, it was definitely a, a really well constructed uh, contract, and I was a little disappointed when they they decided to let him go, but I understand, you know, the, the business behind it because of, you know, the, the, just the salary cap situation that the Ravens were facing and, and the amount of money that they're essentially giving to a, a sixth defensive back was probably not something that they could justify. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's see. Where are, we, where are we talking about? Let's continue on with the corners if we okay. can. Yeah. So the, the other corners, um, we have um, Anthony Abritt who will be going, going into his third year. Um, he's an intriguing player. I think he has some upside we've, we've seen at times, but he's, he's also, you know, played his way off the field. So I'm not exactly sure what to expect from him. He, he was a starter at a time last year when the Ravens were injured. So he definitely has some experience, but I think he's really more of a last ditch backup at this point. Yeah, I, I have, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, although, although, you know, it could just be one of those late bloomer kind of players that takes some time to develop. But I, th- I think there's potential there. He has good size. He has good speed. He needs to work on his technique. Yeah, I, I like him. Uh, 65 snaps as a rookie, 205 as a sophomore. We really don't know what he is yet. As a player, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not ready to throw in the towel on him as a prospect even, or even that he could be a starting corner in this league at some point. But he's in that bad spot where he's entering year three and we don't know what he is. And the Ravens have sort of a dangerous situation on their hands because they have three very expensive cornerbacks. Humphrey isn't quite earning the money yet, but he's still a first-round draft pick, so he's made a lot of money with that. Um, Peters, of course, is, is making big money, and Tavon is making big money. They have Jimmy Smith as their fourth corner. And I was kind of on the fence as to whether that was a good idea to bring Jimmy back for a number of reasons. One of them was that you're going to stunt the growth of the two cornerbacks, Averett and Marshall, who are behind him on the depth chart. So it's, it's harder to see Averett getting a lot of time this year with Jimmy around as another corner, unless they have another special plan. Maybe they think Averett can play slot corner. Uh, I, I, it's not clear to me why that would be true since he's, since he's a little bit bigger at 5'11". Uh, but, but maybe. Maybe he could be the guy that, that would take it on. Uh, just, it's not, I, I'm a little concerned about stunting the growth of these two guys. It's kind of like you, you always need to be working carefully from 1 to 5 among your cornerbacks to make sure you're apportioning your snaps to people who you're trying to figure out who can still be good and, and bring them along. In baseball... You have a, a lot of blowout games where you can test the back end of your bullpen and see if anybody deserves to move up. In football, there's probably less of that, but at least playing for the Ravens, there should be some where they have a big lead in some games. Yeah, and a lot of it will depend on how much he can contribute on special teams if he's active on game day. If he's on act, if he is active, then he will potentially have the opportunity to come in, um, you know, maybe play half the fourth quarter, get. 10, 15 snaps in per game and just to see where he's at. Um, that would definitely be an opportunity for him to develop. And But he, he is going to be, I think, also competing for snaps with Iman Marshall, who is you know, the Ravens' second-year corner who they drafted out of USC. 
I think he was injured for part of the season last year, the first half, and then they brought him back. Am I correct in that? I, I think you're right. I think it's an IRDTR. He only got had three snaps, as I count them, last year. So uh, I remember he was on the field in the Rams game, but it might have been a penalty, and then he had, might have had three snaps against maybe the Steelers. I'm trying to remember if it was in the last game of the year or when it was. But, uh, yeah, he, he, he didn't uh, – he didn't get a trial. After one year, we have no idea who Iman Marshall is. I think we can we can honestly say that. Uh, it, it's not even, even from last year during the preseason, I don't think there was enough to really see who he was. Plus, you're, you know, you're playing in the second half of those games where the Ravens are completely dominating preseason games with their defensive depth. And it's, it'd be really hard to get a fair judgment on who Iman Marshall is against this series of flustered backup quarterbacks the Ravens always <laughs> face in those games. Yeah, that's always fun to watch, though. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got no problem seeing the Ravens beat those guys up, the Ravens twos. Yeah, I think the best bet in all of football is the Ravens winning a preseason game. <laughs> it's, it's one of the things, you know, every, time, every once in a while I go out there on Twitter and somebody says, hey, if you're looking for the best bet today, it's New England over the Ravens in this preseason game. And, I, and I, my immediate reaction is, why? Tell me, tell me why. <laughs> tell me what you think about this game. Don't tell me that you think it. And don't tell me, oh, I told you so after the fact. Tell me now why you believe this team is going to beat the Ravens in a preseason game. But the, the, it's, not, it's not just John Harbaugh's approach to it. It's not how the Ravens do it. It's the fact that they always are loaded in terms of defensive depth. And if you ever have a lead in the first half or basically at halftime, they'll never give it up in the second half of a game. It's just, it's, there isn't another, there aren't any other good backup quarterbacks in the league. And it really, it's the third string guys who are playing a lot of that preseason action. Good comp. Anyway, enough on that topic, but, <laughs> but it always pisses me off on Twitter when somebody, somebody says the Ravens are, uh, are vulnerable tonight in preseason. <laughs> yeah. But, but you're right about Marshall. We really don't know what he is at, at, at this point of his career. And I think we can, you know, kind of look at his size and say he's he's big he's 6'1 210 that's that's a large for a corner that's kind of ideal outside corner size mm-hmm. um you know maybe there's some potential for him to play some safety i don't know if that's something that the ravens would consider he has you know some physicality to him he isn't the fastest corner um so maybe that's somewhere that he does end up transitioning in his career i, I don't know if there's been any discussion about that but that could be something that the Ravens would look to do. Um, I, it, I think that it's really just going to be this kind of preseason that's going to determine, though, if, if I mean, we're not going to have a preseason, yep. probably. <laughs> it's training camp, I should say, to determine how these these kind of last positions on the on the roster, on, on the, in the defensive roster, kind of shake out. Um, because there are also some undrafted free agents that the Ravens brought in. They're going to get a look maybe one of them makes it instead of Marshall or Avery. I think it's just going to be who can really impress and who can, you know, demonstrate that they have the ability to come in, start in a pinch, be a special teams contributor. Those are the things that are really going to be important. Who Who is your guy among the undrafted? So the Ravens have a number of names in camp. If Terrell Bonds, who was actually in camp last year, uh, played a lot of slot corner in the, in the, in the, Number two defense, Khalil Dorsey from Northern Arizona. I know nothing about five nine one eighty one. I would guess he's a slot guy by size, but I don't know. Jeff Hector from Redlands is six zero one seventy five. Probably an outside guy by size, but again, I don't know. He's already twenty four years old. Is the other issue with him? And this guy, intriguing, Josh Nurse from Utah, six three one ninety seven. That's an aircraft carrier at corner, 
And, you know, I don't know if the Ravens, they obviously love length at the position. I don't know if they, if they would, uh, you know, try and find a way to keep him on the roster. And then after that, you still got to consider Jordan Richards, who's around primarily as a special teams player, but when he's been on the field, has played corner with the Ravens. Oh, really? I thought Richards was a safety. So maybe I'm... I'm you know what? Actually, I may be wrong about that. I, I need to be careful. I, I, as soon as I said it, I thought I might be wrong about this, but I'll have to take a look at it. I do not have his snaps by position here. I do know that he played... I know that he was drafted one snap as a last year. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know, I know he was drafted as a safety out of Stanford. Um, I wasn't sure if he had played with the Ravens on defense at all. So, um, you know what? It may it, it might have been in the preseason last year. So I'll look at it and uh, and maybe we'll get it by the end of the episode. But it may be in the preseason last year that he had some uh, uh, snaps at uh, at cornerback. Okay, so I guess getting back to kind of these these maybe fringe roster guys, um, I'd probably give the tip of the cap to Terrell Bonds just because he's had a season with the team, um, and, and he definitely profiles as that slot corner. And, and as we kind of talked a little bit about before, the after uh, Tavon Young, the Ravens don't really have a, a slot cornerback backup. Um, so... Um, I think having someone who could potentially fill in that role would be important. I know last year they they had Brandon Carr play that role at the beginning of the season, and then Marlon Humphrey was at the slot corner. So I think that you would like to have someone like Bonds um, be that player. But it could also be Khalil Dorsey. I honestly don't know enough about him to know if, if he's someone who, who has the the tools to make it in the NFL. Um but, you know, the, the other side of the coin is the, the tall, lanky outside guy. They're always intri- intriguing as well because with that length, you always have potential to be a, a real shutdown guy if, if it all pans out for you. Yeah, I, I'm, and I'm sure with that kind of size, he would have been more highly scouted. I mean, it's, he, he's, he went to Utah, so it's not like he played at a small school. You know, we would know something more about Josh Nurse if he were really a, a even – second tier NFL kind of a candidate. Um, and we don't, you know, he, he, I haven't seen much in the way of scouting reports about him. I mean, I see a big guy. I really don't know much else. Terrell Bonds is my guy. Also, he looked good in camp last year uh, and, and did some, did some decent things in the preseason games as well. And I think he, he probably makes the most sense. He also kind of addresses the need directly to have a backup corner that you can trust. I think if they had a player like him last year, uh, he might have been a guy to get playing time over, say, Cyrus Jones early in the year. Oh, yeah, I completely forgot about Cyrus Jones. <laughs> um, he did not play cornerback very well, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, they, you know, in the preseason, he wasn't terrible. Uh, one play I remember him making was a play over the middle where the Ravens rushed eight, and so they had three on three in the secondary, and he made a good play to... Uh, I forget if he knocked down the ball or if he held it right at the point of the catch for no yak, but one of the two, and, and that was a, it was a good play for the circumstances given the pass rush didn't get home. Oh. Um, well, I, I guess that role was, was seated when, when the Ravens brought in um, a different return specialist. They didn't need him to play corner either. So that was a, that was a nice experiment, I guess, that the Ravens did with him, but I don't think he was meant for the Ravens in long term. 
Yeah, the other guy they had on the field at cornerback, which was real odd in the preseason, was their other return guy. Who's the other return guy, wide receiver, who they had? They played six snaps at cornerback during the preseason. Um, and everybody, he's one of these guys that every, everybody was very polarized about. They either really wanted him on the roster or they really didn't. And there were two guys that kind of fit this thing, and Grant was the other one. Is it White? Is that the, is that the guy? I am scratching my head about this. One. Okay. Is it, is it, it's a, anyway, 2018 or 19 Ravens preseason. And it was between white and grant. I thought for the, for a return specialist role, grant ended up getting the role, but I, I thought it was white had played uh, six snaps during the preseason at, at corner, which was, it blew my mind to see him out there. <laughs> We're number 14, I think. Interesting. So um, they were doing a little Bill Belichick put the wide receiver out at cornerback and see how he plays. <laughs> I think I think they really wanted to see what they had, see if they could if they could transition him. Um, all right. Anyway, I, I don't have that here in front of me, but that's okay. We'll we'll lo- let people go look that up for themselves if they want to. Let's let's keep talking. We got we have more corners to talk about. Or are we on to the safeties? I think I think we're on to the safeties now. Um, that was pretty much it for the the corners and the safeties is is another really stacked position. I mean, the whole secondary is pretty deep, but obviously Earl Thomas, um, kind of premier safety still in the NFL. You know, my um my friend Jordan Coe, who is also a writer at Baltimore Sports and Life, and we and we do a podcast too. Um, he he was a big proponent of bringing in Earl Thomas to play for the Ravens last year. And a lot of people said, well, there's no way the Ravens can, can bring him in. And then they did. Um, and he is, you know, such a game changer, I think for the defense. I, I mean, the Ravens were great when they had Eric Weddle, especially in the first couple of years, but Thomas brought another level of athleticism to go along with just the football IQ. He seemed to always be in the right position. He was a big hitter. I think that, what makes the defense tick in a lot of ways in terms of just the, their ability to take away quick um, throws from the quarterback. He's very quick in, in anticipating what, what the offense is going to do. And he takes throws away. He can make plays and run defense and pass defense. He was pretty good at rushing the quarterback too. And that was something that was definitely new for him. Yeah. Um, do you think that the Ravens will use him in the same way next year or do you think that he might be more of a traditional kind of deep safety as he played in seattle well i think they have the strength at at outside corner and again more so in the slot to try and scheme for pass rush and include earl thomas in that scheming so i think that was part of what was going on i talked to Vinny serato on air and he he seems to think that the fact that earl thomas is rushing a lot is an indication the ravens don't really trust him on the back end I'm going to say this. I think Earl Thomas is still ruling the middle of the field by fear, the way the heat maps were kind of showing where the passes were coming before he came to Baltimore. I think he's still basically quarterbacks do not want to throw in his area. They know he's got ball skills. They know he's got the anticipation skills. They know there's a chance any tip ball is going to end up an interception. All of that. But I don't think Earl Thomas has the speed he did as a younger man. I don't think that's even a debate. And we saw a couple of plays where he pulled up early last year, one on Nick Chubb's 88-yard run. Um, there were others uh, where he, he pulled up on the play intentionally. He talked about having, you know, didn't want to pull, blow a hamstring um, after, you know, chasing down such a play. 
that's okay. But you know, I I question his abil- his speed to to play the back end at this at this point in his career at the same level. And that's why I think he's probably entering his last year in Baltimore. We'll see how that goes. But there's there's say save six million dollars if he leaves after this year in 2021 cap, and that's cap they're really going to want to have. I think he's definitely lost, you know, a step maybe from from his heyday, and that's that's not something that's unexpected when you're when you're 30 years old. But I think that he's still one of the better safeties in the NFL. I think he does have good range still, and I think he is he kind of has that, you know, that Ed Reed smart thing going for him, where he where he you can really dissect what's happening and that gives him an advantage. Um, whether, whether it comes from film study or just experience or just some kind of like gut instinct that he has that you know, served him throughout his career. Um, that said, when we're talking about his rushing the passer, I, I don't necessarily agree that it's because he's lost a step as a coverage um, safety. I think, in my opinion, that has more to do with Wink Martindale's style and yes. how he wants to bring players from all over the place and not let the offense know um, where the blitz is coming from. And and he feels comfortable dropping any of any one of eight players in coverage and blitzing any one of eight players at any time. Um, and I think that is, has more to do with, with, with how he uses his safeties. And it's not just Thomas, too. It's also Chuck Clark. He used and Carr. In the same, and, and Carr as well. They... They all blitz a lot, um, and I think that's more of a of a, of a wink thing than it is a, a Thomas de- decline thing. At least that's I, how I, I agree. See. I would agree with you entirely on the on by that on the way uh, on that by the way. I guess there's there's if Earl Thomas playing on the if he plays a single high most of the time as he did in in Seattle, then you're you're really committing to play your defense a certain way. And Wink, obviously, they didn't have the one-on-one pass rush winners. They were forced into scheming for pressure. And we'll see. I mean, Wink has a better set of baseline pass rushers with the addition of Campbell. So the, the front four may be able to get pressure with four more often than they would otherwise. And by the way, for people out there who want to define a blitz as they blitz over 50% of the time, and that's five plus and whatnot— that doesn't even begin to talk about it. The, you, there's four-man pass rushers and there's four-man pass rushers. If you drop two from the line of scrimmage and have two blitz from the secondary, believe me, that's a very deceptive pass rush package. has a much higher chance to get home. And Martindale, it's way over 50%. If you really want to talk about the increments to deception uh, he, he ran and, and not just the numbers. So I, I'm, I, I love what they did last year with the defense. I love that they were able to take advantage of a big advantage they had at cornerback. And we even saw in the Rams game that, that he was willing to rush both outside corners at the same time on, on a play, which I I cannot ever recall seeing the Ravens do. Yeah, I, I don't remember that play ever before either, and it, it worked, so maybe we'll see it again. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a great shot you can take at a play-action cornerback, probably with a big lead, and obviously they had, a, they had always were comfortable in that Rams game. Goff is a jittery guy. And if you if you're going to run play action, and you think you might run play action, or well, it might have been 21 to six or something at the time when he when he when they got the sack, uh, it's it's the kind of thing you make him pay for that with a double cat blitz like that. 
Yeah, especially with someone with like Goff, who if he doesn't read, he's he's just going to tuck the ball and probably get sacked in that situation. So that's a good good gamble on that on that play, especially. Um, and, and I can't agree with you enough about what you're saying about Wink and and just how he loves to use deception. And like you said, a four man rush is not all the same. Um, they're not all created equally because if you have a four man rush where you're just using your four defensive linemen rushing the passer, even if you're using a twist or, or stun or something like that, mm-hmm. you're still asking four men lined up over, over, over five or six, you know, protectors to try and get pressure. And if you can use creativity and, and scheme and design to have four players rushing on one side where you have three people protecting, and two people on the other side not protecting at all, that's a numbers advantage to you. And as long as the Ravens players are capable of executing those kind of blitzes, that's going to be a winning situation for the Ravens defense. Yeah, that's I, that's why I think people really undervalue exactly what Judon and Boyle, uh, Judon and Bowser, sorry, brought to this team in terms of their ability to drop to coverage from the outside, from outside linebacker. Nobody else has two guys at outside linebacker who can drop the way those Ravens guys can. And it's it's such an advantage in terms of being able to do anything you want with basically eight of your 11 players on the field. We won't count those outside corners, even though he did find a way to scheme them in once. But but he was blitzing with with all the safety positions. You know, he's, he's blitzing with the inside linebacker at will. Uh, so it's a, it's, a, it's a great opportunity. You blitz with a slot corner also a fair amount. So it's really nine positions and not just eight. It's your outside corners who are, who are the two who really never come. Yeah, and honestly, I don't see that changing. You know, mm-hmm. even even with the kind of changes the Ravens made this past offseason in terms of their front seven personnel, why is Wink going to change what, what works, what he knows best? Now you just have better players who are capable of creating better opportunities and, and winning at a higher rate, I think. Um, and that's just going to make his style that much more deadly. And, and I think that's a big reason why I'm I'm expecting the Ravens' defense to be even better than what we saw down the stretch last year is because if you put that same scheme in place with players who are on paper, at least, you know, more talented front who are able to win more frequently in these one-on-one matchups that are going to be created by, by these schemes. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be really impactful um, and, and fun. I think defensive performance that we're going to get. Yep, couldn't agree more. Very, very Belichick-esque in terms of how the Ravens are built right now, very much back to front on defense uh, in terms of where the money is spent. They did spend a little bit of money on on Campbell this year. They obviously spent a lot of draft capital at inside linebacker, but the the real dollars of cap are still being spent on the back end um, at safety and at those three cornerback spots. Yes, I guess that can bring us back to safety. Um, And the other guy we talked a little bit on, but we haven't really discussed in in detail, was uh, Chuck Clark who the Ravens drafted, I think, in the sixth round uh, yes. three years ago um, out of Virginia Tech. Um, very athletic safety. He had an impressive athletic profile. Um, and, you know, they kind of got him involved right away as kind of, you know, a, a sixth defensive back on, on the field. Um, you saw him a little bit as playing some, some deep safety, loving the box. Um, but then, obviously, this past year when, when Tony Jefferson got hurt, he moved right into the starting lineup. We discussed previously how he took over as the the green dot, you know, to, to relay play calls into the, to the defense. And then he really just 
became a key contributor, I think, to the team. He he stepped up in a way that I think was probably a little unexpected for, for anybody who was on the outside looking in. Maybe the team knew more than we did, um, and that's why they were so comfortable with him just playing in that role. But he really excelled, and he was asked to do so many different things on defense. And we talked about Earl Thomas, how he was you know used as a blitzer and as free safety and in the box at times. Well, Chuck Clark did that, but even more. You know, he was used as as a deep safety. He was used in the box. He was used as a slot cornerback. He was used as an outside linebacker, dime linebacker. There's so many places that he lined up, and and he was really kind of what allowed that that versatile, you know, mix of of plays to happen. And he was able to be all over the field. And I just thought he was very very good in that role. Yeah, he's, the Ravens are very fortunate to have him, and, and a, very few teams have a player like him, and he's now signed, and he's not expensive for four years, but in terms of, of what he can give you, by him being the signal caller and being as personally versatile as he is, he gives you the ability to, to not have any inside linebackers on the field, should you so desire. And there may be times when you don't really want that, um, and there may, there's certainly a lot of times where you really only have, want to have one. And so if you, if you decide you want that, then that's, uh, that's great. Last year, when the Ravens really needed it, because they didn't have any inside linebackers who were really contributing for those first four weeks, uh, you know, it was very fortunate that they had Chuck Clark there to basically be one of the things that eased the transition. It turned out Bynes and Fort both made significant contributions, but Clark allowed that to be much easier and them to play very selected snaps that are more in line with their abilities. Because he was who he was. I mean, it could have been that either Bynes or Fort might have had to have been the signal caller. And then you'd had to work around that. I mean, they were, they're very fortunate to have Chuck Clark last year. Yeah, and as you mentioned, the Ravens were able to lock him up to a, a very, I think, team-friendly contract for the next um, four seasons. And that's you know a player that the Ravens are going to be counting on as one of their key young core members going forward. And, and I'm really excited to see you know what he can be as a starter from day one and how that's going to help the defense out yeah i i i i agree i mean we we saw a lot of breakdowns in the secondary and tony jefferson was a hell of a player for the ravens i I don't want to bash him unnecessarily but i will say that in week two against arizona in particular the secondary really broke down a lot and and a lot of that was jefferson not being in the in the right position uh, you know, them not getting uh, zone coverages set up properly uh, to keep players like Larry Fitzgerald from being wide open. And it wasn't like wide open in the middle of a zone. It's a there's a guy missing from this spot over here where the zone is supposed to be uh, that uh, that was causing a lot of that. So, you know, anyway, Clark is a is a very smart positional player uh, with regard to that. And you know, what what he did against the Patriots to, in, in basically his coming out game to basically engineer the Ravens defense to play effectively against the no huddle was really remarkable. I, that, that to me was his greatest accomplishment of 2019. Yeah. And, and you could tell right away that he's just football IQ. Um, and he, and the Ravens put trust in him right away and he, and he, you know, rewarded them for that trust. And, and I think he's definitely going to be a key in 2020 um, and it's going to be interesting to see how the Ravens use the safeties, uh, you know, depth that they have behind Thomas and Clark, because I don't see many instances where, where they're going to be coming off the field, especially Clark, unless it's uh, late in the, the game with, with like uh, 
you know the game well out of out of hand. That doesn't um, even and, count. You're really talking about when the game's when the game's not in hand. There's no reason for either Thomas or Clark to be off right. the field. Okay. So, with do you think that uh, Deshaun Elliott is going to be a player that the Ravens really get into the mix, maybe as kind of that the role that Clark had um, going back to before he was a starter as that that dime linebacker? Is that is that what Elliott's best position you think is? So there's there's two possibilities for Elliott that I see. To the degree the Ravens want to stick with some big nickel against teams that are run heavy, Elliott's an excellent choice to be the slot corner in those situations. So that that could work out and just fine. Number two, and I think this will be the, the key role which he gets the first crack at, is to be the back end safety, effectively the strong safety in dime formations. And, and you know, we mentioned how much of the 42.2% of the snaps last year, that's a huge opportunity that he could be on the field, you know, playing the, the back end in that role, kind of like what Carr did last year for the team. There's no question in my mind that Elliott should get the first chance at that role if it doesn't work out for whatever reason. And we don't know enough about Elliott. I mean, he's been here for two years, but he's been hurt. He's looked great on the back end in the preseason, but again, second half of, you know, quarterbacks who are never going to be making the NFL anyway, what do you, what do you draw from that? Uh, but I, I think he's clearly earned the, the right to be the first uh, first shot at the dime strong safety. Yeah. And Elliot's a player that I really liked coming out of college. You know, he, he, I feel like the safety position was a little undervalued for, for a few years in the draft and, and Elliot was taken later in the draft than I thought he should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a very athletic player. He's a big hitter. He's, he's a good tackler. Um, great ball skills. Great ball skills as well. And he's a playmaker. Like, I was surprised that he was available when the Ravens got him. And I, I really hope that he can develop this year as, as someone who's a consistent contributor on the defense. And I think that's something that the Ravens need to find out because, as you mentioned earlier, Earl Thomas, you know, he's getting older. He has a pretty big contract. They might want to move away from him. And is Elliot the player that they can put their trust in next to Chuck Clark moving forward as a starting safety? Yeah. And, and unless he can stay healthy and, and get some snaps this year, it's going to be hard for them to really know. Yeah, that's, that, that's bingo entirely. Absolutely my thought is that if, if you're going to move away, they need to find who that free safety candidate is. They have two guys on the roster who might be the free safety going forward. Elliot is obviously the best choice if, if you could get him to play on the back end. And he didn't come out of college with a with a a, a clear um, mandate as either a strong or free safety. There's very competing views on whether he could play either position. Ball skills would tell you maybe there's a free safety there. Maybe there's a guy with the instincts to get to the football regularly. And there's another group of people that said all his interceptions were really easy gift wrap stuff. Well, you got to be in the right position to make easy interceptions. That's part of the part of the whole deal. He's looked great when he has played in the box. They played a little bit of some off-brand dime early last year before Elliott got hurt, where he got some oddball snaps at line at dime back on first and ten, second and five kind of downs where you wouldn't normally play the dime, uh, and and it's just. I don't think the Ravens know exactly what they have yet, but if they if they want to see who they have, they have to play him on the back end in the dime to see if he's a potential candidate to play free safety when Thomas goes. Whether that's you know after nineteen or whether it's after twenty or twenty one. 
Yeah, and I think that kind of also gets back to our conversation earlier with, about Jimmy Smith. And, you know, is, is he really going to come in and play safety for the Ravens when you have a player like Elliott, who's probably a far more dynamic player than Smith is as a safety and, and also a player you need to figure out. So you need to give him some reps. You need to see him in action. Right. And, and yes, you know, injuries have been a concern for him. And, and being available is, is important. And you can't count on a player who can't stay healthy. But assuming health, I think he needs to be a player that, you know, sees two, three, four hundred snaps this, this coming season. I, very realistic that he would, I think, uh, with what the Ravens got. They probably have about, you know, if you throw in Big Nickel as well, they might have as much as about 47% of the snaps where he could be involved. And, you know, I, I don't know why Smith would have be an obvious selection over Elliott, even based on health. I mean, obviously, Jimmy's missed a lot of time over the years. He's a, The one thing you know about him is he's going to be there 12 games a year. And, and you know you really have to have a backup plan then at, at that point. He's been great these last few years when he's been rotating in with a group of four four corners playing those slots. That's been fantastic. You don't you don't miss him when he's gone. You always have a, a you know another guy. But I'm a little concerned about about using him at safety when he is your fourth guy at corner. Um, even even with the younger guys, the Ravens need to work out behind him. Yeah, and we also just have never seen him play safety before. And that's kind of a lot to ask somebody who's played outside corner his entire career. And he's and he's been around quite a while. He's not a young chicken by any stretch. So we'll see what happens with Smith. I, I'm glad that the Ravens were able to bring him back. I think he provides excellent depth at an outside corner position. I'm not necessarily hoping he's going to play a lot of snaps at safety. Um, I guess we can talk a little bit about the other Ravens draft pick um, defensive back Geno Stone out of Iowa who I was actually pretty impressed with he so when I was scouting um oh now his name's on slip my mind the defensive end out of Iowa yeah um, Jordan Elliott um, Jordan, Jordan Elliott yes um, or or Epinesa or do you mean him oh they're, they're yeah, both yeah, yeah, good yeah. <laughs> Epinesa that's who I was talking about um I saw Geno Stone show up a lot on film, and I was like, who is this safety? And then I saw that he was draft eligible, but he wasn't very high on any draft boards I was looking at, so I thought that was a little surprising. Um, but I, I saw him as a guy who was you know, consistently making plays and coverage. He, he has a way of kind of uh, sifting through traffic and, and making some plays in run defense, too. I, I think he's another one of these guys who is, is pretty intelligent um, as, as a defensive back. Um, and I could see him maybe making his way onto the field. Um, but I think he's most likely going to have to play special teams as a rookie. I don't see him getting onto the field unless there's injuries. Certainly possible though. And, and if Elliot were to go down, he'd be, in my opinion, your next guy up on the back end in the dime package. And that's a very big role. So, you know, it's, you gotta be ready for when the opportunity happens, if he's available, you know, all of a sudden there, there could be 40 plus percent of the snaps are available for him to play uh, on a regular basis. If something happened to Thomas, I don't know where this team would be, but, but Geno Stone or Elliot, uh, I can tell you both of them are going to get more playing time if that's, <laughs> if, if uh, Thomas goes down. Yeah. Th- Thomas, definitely. I think you might see Elliot get the first crack at, at taking his, his role. Um, and then, you know, maybe just give a few snaps to Stone just to see what he can do. Um, if if Clark were to get hurt, I think that's definitely um, Elliott's position to take. 
Um, so I, w- I would imagine he's the next man up in, in both situations. And then and Stone will kind of be third in line just to kind of see maybe some dime snaps. But, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen. But good news is the Ravens do have depth. Um, I think that across the board on, on, on defensive backs that there, there's plenty of options and, and there's versatility there too. I think most of them are capable of um, doing a number of different things on, on the defense. And that, that's something that you definitely want. There's six guys at, at safety when we include Jordan Richards. Oh, and, and Anthony Levine, who, oh, yeah. uh, you know, are, are important players. And Levine obviously has experience in a wide variety of roles. He's played slot corner. He's even played a few snaps at outside corner for the Ravens. He's played safety uh, extensively. And he's certainly been one of the best dime backs the Ravens ever had. It's, it's, is this, I think he has to make the team as a special teams captain. I'm not 100% sure that they wouldn't keep Richards over him since Richards been effective special teams player as well. But it looks to me like the Ravens probably end up keeping six safeties on this roster, which I believe they had early last season as well when Brendan Trawick was on the team. Yeah, six safeties and six cornerbacks would be my That's guess. That's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. Um, maybe... It means only three inside linebackers make the team. I would mm-hmm. still think there's four, but it's, it's definitely going to have to come out of somewhere. Um, or maybe defensive line as a place where you can trim some fat, so to speak. That becomes um, hard, too, but we've had that discussion, so let's not do it again. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Bo- yeah. Board and Alaka both being cut would be one of the results that would happen if you really wanted to keep all these players. But there are two extra roster spots this year or – Maybe I don't understand all the rules about it. Maybe it's your practice squad. You get to activate two of them per week, and but you still expose them kind of thing. Yeah, I'm still a little wary about how that works, too. If if they are practice squad players, they would be available to other teams to pick up. My understanding would still be, but maybe you can give them, they can give them more money as well, so maybe they wouldn't go to other teams. It's kind of still yet to be determined as far as I'm concerned, but there's definitely that ability to have two extra players active on game day, which I think, honestly, in this coming season, they might want to consider expanding. I don't know if they would do that or not, but given the potential for, you know, multiple players missing time due to, as opposed to to injury, is something that could definitely impact, you know, the need to have extra players available. I don't think the players, I don't think a union would have any problem with expanding the roster size, even on a temporary basis, to to help some guys on the back end earn a little more money. I don't think that would be a problem. We're, uh, seeing, we're seeing Major League Baseball do that, correct? I think Major League Baseball is a really funny season because they don't have any minor league season going on. So it's like 60 players you carry around and 30 on the roster or something. And other players from your 60 can start playing. Once they do, then the clock starts on them, of course. So uh, anyway, a whole bunch of competing factors there with, with, with football, the clock has started on everyone, unless right. you, you don't play the, you don't play the person like Terrell Bonds say last year doesn't make the team and he comes back to camp again. But other, other than that, you, you know, the clock is going on everybody. So we'll, we'll have to see There's one of the things coming out of this that I would be concerned about from the Ravens perspective is that in the, in the course of negotiating over what the cap needs to be and how they're going to borrow and save and this and that, that the Ravens could somehow get hosed out of years of eligibility for their players. They have a very young roster and be the worst thing possible for all of the Ravens players to get, gain an extra year of service time 
towards free agency in their particular case. So yeah, that that would definitely be very damaging to the Ravens, who have you're, they're very much in their their prime in terms of number of players who are on cheap rookie deals, and you want to have that as you know a, a real boon to your roster construction. And if, if you lose a year, um, that definitely hurts the team, both short term and long term. Yeah, we have very competing needs of the NFL teams right now. So if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, you you have a lot of expensive players on your roster. And your main concern is to have the cap basically be unchanged at any cost. And oh, by the way, if you can screw the Ravens out of some of their top players, you're happy with that. So you'll give away a year of service time to have the players give up some, say, cap space from 2020 and push it into 2021. Or find some other way to uh, silly putty over the, the, the cap hole, wood putty over the cap hole, whatever you want to call it, uh, so that you, you can keep your roster together while the Ravens suffer in terms of what those dollars are really worth long-term in any new contracts they have to provide. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of un, um, unresolved issues that are, that are still up for grabs in this offseason. And I, I know that the owners and the NFLPA are both um, you know, trying to agree on some terms right now. So hopefully that we can come to an agreement that, you know, is, is pretty equitable across the league and hopefully it benefits the Ravens, but um, we'll have to wait and see how that plans out. Right. All right, Gabe, well, uh, pleasure again talking to you about this. Do we miss anybody? Are we, do are, 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 you think we've gotten to the end of the line here and talking about all the players? We, I think we got to the bottom of the safety yeah, list. I think we pretty much covered everybody. Um, and I, I think we're both in agreement for the most part about how these players are going to line up at, there might be some things that come up, you know, with, with how certain players are used that are going to be surprises, but I think the safety or the defensive backs, safeties, cornerbacks, everybody is, it's pretty set. You know, there's, there's fewer question marks there than there, there are at other places on the defense. And as far as I'm concerned, that's a good thing because, you know, the secondary is the strength of the team and the consistency and the, you know, the players that they have are able to, bring back from, from last year is, is going to be a real big reason as to why I think the Ravens defense is, is going to be very good in 2020. I agree. It all starts with leveraging what they have on the back end. Gabe, where can people find your writing on the most regular basis? So I am writing for Baltimore sports and life.com. Um, we are a Baltimore based uh, website. We talk all things Baltimore, mostly sports related, but also, you know, casual conversation about other topics as well. Um, we have a very active message board and would love to have anybody come check it out. Um, I'm currently writing an article about potential free agents that the Ravens might be looking to pick up. Although the Ravens don't have much cap space, if there's somebody that you can bring in to add um, for cheap, it might be something that the Ravens could still look to do. So that's something that I'm looking at and I'm sure the Ravens are always looking at whoever's out there as well. When you post that article, we'd love to have you back on, and we'll talk about that, Gabe. Uh, other people out there, if you're looking to do a film study short, please contact me by direct message on Twitter. is usually the best place, and we'll talk about your idea. I look around on the board, see if people have got interesting posts and whatnot on any of them, including BSL, which is an excellent board I highly recommend. Uh, Purple Flock, another good one. There's, there's, there's others as well. You guys probably know them all and uh, are, are uh, 
on at least a couple of them. To me, it's always on a favorites page, and I click, 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 click down them, see what's uh, uh, see what's going on. But uh, anyway, love to hear from you, and love to have you on the show if we could. Gabe, thanks again for being here. Thanks for having me. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, click Ranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.